Yo, Chad, what if I told you there's a platform that could completely revolutionize your hiring strategy in a matter of hours? Yeah, I'd call bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit with AI for jobs powered by our friends at This Way Global. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, While everyone else is fishing in the same old talent pools, AI for jobs can source over 160 million diverse candidate profiles. This Way Global has established unique partnerships with over 8,500 trusted diversity partners. So wait a minute. All of the hard on-the-ground work is already done. That's right, Cowboy. You can discover 300 qualified candidates per job rack instantly. Wow. It's like having a candidate sourcing magic wand. (laughs) Dude, if you had a magic wand, you would have Mexican pizzas all day. Mm. Uh, Stop distracting me, Sowash. AI for Jobs Advanced Matching Algorithm analyzes past applicants using trillions of historical matching events and over 1,600 data points. Now that is what AI should be doing, saving recruiters time on sourcing while they provide a white glove candidate experience. Let's wrap this shit up. I'm hungry. Listen up, kids. Revolutionize your hiring process today by jumping over to thiswayglobal.com and checking out AI for Jobs, where you can learn more about how to leverage AI for your recruiting instead of just writing poems and grocery lists. That is thiswayglobal.com. We out. Sovereign Parser is the most accurate resume and job order intake technology in the industry. The more accurate your data, the better decisions you can make. Find out more about our suite of products today by visiting Sovereign.com. That's S-O-V-R-E-N.com. We provide technology that thinks, communicates, and collaborates like a human. Sovereign. Software so human, you'll want to take it to dinner. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. Let's go. All right, Cheeseman. How you doing, man? Oh, man. The world is awesome. <laughs> Lies. Welcome to the Chad and Cheese podcast, everybody. We're starting out this podcast with pure lies and uh, with uh, Kate Lantz. I say Lantz because she's, uh, she's proper. She's proper. It's the Queen's she, English. She is the founder and CEO of MindBridge and author of the book. Give me a second. I want to screw this up. Take a deep breath. All the brains in the business. Got to take a, a second breath. The engendered brain in the 21st century organization. The neuroscience of business. That's right, kids. Neuroscience on Chad and Cheese. Check that box. <laughs> I feel like book titles are the new keyword stuffing for SEO. It's <laughs> like, right. let's make that title as long as possible. <laughs> I love it. But OK, so, Kate, that's a little bit about you. Give us the deep, dark, long walk on the beach in Twitter oh, form God. about about you. Give us a little bit more about you. She's a Sagittarius that enjoys <laughs> cr- cricket and a cold ale. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually a Virgo, but the ale bit is true. So so yes. I spent yes. the first part of my career bootlegging around emerging markets, and Guinness was one of the many products that I had the great privilege of not only selling but also enjoying. 
Selling. Whoa, this this interview took a different turn. I love it. So right out of the gate, it's no longer a man's world. So why are we asking women to think like men? The engendered brain in the 21st century. I think that's the connection that you're trying to make, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, very often. And it is still the case, despite lots of really, really well-intentioned and well-executed initiatives for diversity and inclusion, still too often women are kind of expected to be the best men they can be at work. And whilst there are lots of things that our brains have in common, there are some important things that they have in difference. And those differences don't get seen as well as they could. And that's what I, uh, that's why I want to really bring the neuroscience of brain sex difference to the party. So we'll, we'll get into the work thing in a second. I, when, I, when I heard we were bringing you on the show, I was really curious about your take on uh, the timeliness of, of the coronavirus and COVID-19 and why countries with women leaders New Zealand, Germany come to mind, are doing so much better (laughs) than, say, I don't know, your leader and our leader. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. Now, of of course, you know, it's it, there are many factors that that impact. Uh, that said, I, I I don't think it's purely coincidence that the way some of those women are leading, many of those women are leading, ha- is having a good effect. I think that women's brains and bodies are more tuned for collaboration and cooperation and less inclined to kind of silo and compete and grandstand that that's being very stereotypical so um forgive me for that but i i, I do okay. think there's there's something pr- profound <laughs> we do that on occasion on this show <laughs> yes quite often to be quite frank <laughs> but I, th- there is there is a difference in the approach that i think has worked better and the, the truth of the matter is the the coronavirus, we can only solve if we do it together. It's a global pandemic. It's affecting all of us. It's not going to go away anytime soon. So becoming siloed and competing and and shutting each other out is just simply not the way forward. And a lot of the women leaders are, are demonstrating good collaboration. And, and just like women leading countries, uh, at least in this crisis, is a good thing. Um, are there case studies that you know of with women CEOs that have handled, uh, you know, damage control much better than maybe some of their male counterparts? Any success stories of women CEOs out there? Yeah, I mean, there are were, there were some um, wonderful women CEOs in, in both the States and in, in the UK. I, I'm not sure I'd call out anything in terms of sort of crisis management per se. Mm-hmm. There are organizations where the organizational design is beginning to be less hierarchical and more organic and emergent with with teams that that form and then unform and come together around the tasks. So driving agility and uh, GSK, for example, has has a, a very successful female CEO. Accenture in the States recently, um, a, a very powerful, impressive uh, female CEO. Mm-hmm. And I do just, I just think that, that well, I, I actually think it's important that we come, that things happen in partnership. It's not like men's brains or, or women's brains are better, but they, they are designed to uh, complement each other. And too much of what goes on in organizational cultures suits 
brains that are at the more male bra- end of the brain sex spectrum. Uh, you know, and by the way, the sex of your brain isn't necessarily the same as the sex of your body. So it's quite a sort of subtle, sophisticated thing. Yeah. Well, okay. So quick question, because from my standpoint, as as I dove into this and tried to think hard about it, and man, my brain hurts. Uh, it, it seems we, we really haven't evolved our behaviors from when we were actually surviving in the wild. We only just put on suits and sat in offices. We really focus on that survivability kind of instinct versus being able to really evolve as human beings. Yeah, bingo. That's it. You, you, you said it. You know, our brains really haven't changed much since, since we left the caves. And here we all are in, in, in a very modern, sophisticated environment, which, you know, by the way, our prefrontal cortex is created. But the brain still functions uh, with the, the ancient limbic brain jumping in first and reacting emotionally to stuff before we can start thinking about it. And that's what gets us into a whole lot of trouble. Okay, so you talk about the emotional piece. And there is always the stereotype that women are just too emotional to lead. Why is that something that is put out there and what is actually behind it for the good or bad? Yeah, women are more typically on average tuned in emotionally. They have higher levels of oxytocin in their brains and bodies, which is the bonding hormone. They, The way they notice the world, so they, they, they see micro expressions in people's faces um, and, they, and they pick up other people's emotions. They pay attention. Well, they're a different type of attention. It's okay. not that, yeah, it's a different type of attention. And that's the thing. Women take their power on average, differently from the way men do. You know, that that's important to know and to leverage that difference because it has a huge impact on performance as we're seeing, as you say, with some of the female leaders in the world at the moment. So you're talking about taking power. Talk about that. Because I mean, that that to me, being in a male dominated brain, which is the, t- the two idiots on this podcast are obviously, <laughs> we know what that Hell means. Yeah. How does how does how does a female take her power differently? And I mean, this is this is incredibly, you know, awesome to understand, not just for working with females, but I also have a wife. Right. So this is great to do relationships. Help help us, Kate. (laughs) Please, Kate. With great pleasure. Yeah. So if I really summarize it in very simple binary terms, women tend to take their power collaboratively through relationship. And men take their tend to take their power competitively through through hierarchy. That is sort of massively oversimplifying because of course, you know, we 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 all do both of those things. But but if I boil it right down, um, neurobiologically, that that tends to be the way that that um, we, we've evolved, and very often the relational side of the equation gets is 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 largely unseen in in terms of what gets measured, what gets rewarded in in many big corporate cultures, and that's missing such an important uh, trick, really, and. The point that Paul and I are trying to make in the book is that if you let all the brains in the business come and do their thing their way, then you get the the best out of them. And if you're trying to force a brain to be something that it's not, it's a bit like driving with the handbrake on and you're just never going to get top performance. Okay, you mentioned you mentioned culture and there's obviously corporate culture. But I'm curious how just general culture plays into it. I mean, here in the States, a woman from New York City isn't necessarily the same culturally as a woman from Wisconsin. Uh, A woman in England also isn't the same as a woman generally in the U.S. Like, does culture in general play into this in this formula or not? 
more in the sense of being feeling seen and feeling welcome. So uh, organizational cultures are defined by the way things go on around here type things. So the way you, people run their meetings, the things that get rewarded and so forth. And what I'm arguing for, our brains have basically got two dominant modes. We can either be in survive where we're slightly on the defensive, we're protecting ourselves, we're producing the, the neurochemistry, which is adrenaline and cortisol. And we're not really open to learning and being effective as a result. Or we can have our brains in thrive, which is when you're in flow, stuff comes easily, you think well, you get, and your energy levels just stay high. And organizational cultures that recognize how to get individual brains into thrive are the ones that win. And, and they, boy, do they win. And there's a lot of research to support that. Uh, and so it's all about that. So if I had a, you know, a, a, a woman in, in my team from New York, who's very different culturally from somebody in England, I would just be looking to understand what's that individual brain, what motivates it? How can I get that person's brain into thrive? Hmm. Um, and that will be different for, for each individual. It seems like the, the 20th century initially was all about sort of women adapting to the, the male environment, right? Like Chad and I both remember the, the, the shoulder pads of the eighties, right. And women <laughs> yes. sort of trying to be like men is the pendulum swinging the other way where men are starting to try to think like women. And at some point do we come together because of that pendulum swing? What, what's your take on sort of that, that dynamic? That was a knock on me for doing yoga is what that was. <laughs> Only, only, only hot yoga, Chad. <laughs> only the hot yoga. Yeah, that's a, it's a that's a lovely question and um, lovely. Oh, yeah, lovely question. Basically, yes. If I look at the younger, if I look at my kids, um, two 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 sons, young men, young adults, and and their girlfriends, that generation is so cool. So many of the issues that my generation had to front into in business have, are just they're just going away. What we need though is for corporate culture to catch up with it. It's still designed in the col the old slightly militaristic hierarchical model. That that needs. Uh, you know, chucking in the bin and, and rewriting with all the brains, equal numbers of men and women, and within those equal numbers, really diverse brains uh, to, to, to replot what do we focus on, what do we reward, and how do we really enable people to, to do their best. Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions. And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the Chad and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman, I'm talking about Text Kernel. Ah, okay, that makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, yeah, simplicity. <laughs> <laughs> seriously, though, seriously, text kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways, text kernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. Text kernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. Text kernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey 
Kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data? I mean, that that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener. Get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Mmm, nachos. <laughs> so we, we talk a lot on the show about equality. And in the book, uh, it actually talks about the power of gender difference, not yep. gender equality. So yep. you say that's the secret source or the, the secret sauce for success. Can you tell us about that, about the difference between gender difference and gender equality? Yeah. So I profoundly believe that that we should all have equal opportunities. The way that we get to those opportunities is different. So men's and women's brains on average will approach the task differently. And it's really enabling the difference to, to not just be at the party, but be invited to dance. And so whilst we have a lot in common between our brains, there are some important differences that, that if you know what they are, you can leverage them. And I do this you know, with my clients all the time who, who understand this stuff, and they use it. They use it in negotiations. They use it in sort of, you know, conflict situations Good cop, understanding cop. sorry uh, not necessarily yeah and it's not necessarily it, it, it it's like a different way of paying attention in the world and so uh -huh. when you pick up what other people are noticing that you maybe aren't noticing right you you can use it as opposed to act in ignorance of it um and and everybody wins Everybody wins. Is that pretty much trying to talk about the power of design within a corporation and how they actually work uh, not the same but different to get to the, to the same task completed? Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So it's allowing so, – so, for example, there's some really interesting research out of the University of Pennsylvania, which looks at the way the neural um, connectivity works in the brain. And in the male brain, the connectivity is running far more inside each hemisphere, front to back. In the female brain, the activity is predominantly operating between hemispheres. And so in the male brain neural patterning, you tend to get the res response which is – input in from the, the five senses to coordinated action, kind of, you know, get on with it, fix it fast. With the female brain, the way the attention works is more emergent and iterative. And so women might think more broadly, might take longer to uh, look at a task and, and come up with solutions to it, but they'll come up with different solutions to it. And you get both of those brain patternings working successfully together and you will really problem solve very effectively and very creatively. And, and that's the trick is like understanding where the difference shows up and leveraging it. We talk quite a bit on the show about how uh, COVID-19 is accelerating uh, so many things, right? Whether it's technology or, or culture, et cetera. And I'm curious on your take in a, in a work from home world, um, does this slow down the, the minds coming together or am I missing something? Because my take on it is if we're not in the same room together, connecting in that way is going to be tougher than it is if we're at the at-home desk. 
Right. Yeah. Cool question. What, what, one of my dominant observations working with clients over these last some months is that actually more brains are coming to the party because people are not in those big buildings in London or New York or wherever, nice. where there is a kind of way of going on and, and you know, a, a, a dominant pecking order or whatever. And so I'm hearing from a lot of clients that voices that they haven't heard so much from in the big buildings in London are speaking up more online and that people are feeling you know, safe and having the time and the space. So I think there's a huge amount from, from working from home that is actually far more brain friendly than the way we were kind of going on before. Interesting. Interesting. So there's an old saying that, uh, you know, change happens, you know, one funeral at a time, meaning that uh, when, when the old die out, the new ideas come into the play. The old so white dudes. This is, this, is my, <laughs> this is my OK Boomer question of the day. Uh, how, does, how does age fit into, into your calculus? Yeah, that's another uh, another cool question. I, I I mean, like I say, I look at my kids' generation and some of the stuff I was grappling with as a, as a young woman in business. I they will just not tolerate it. Quite frankly, they'll just leave leave the company or never apply in the first instance if they don't really sense that this that the place is really open to diversity. So that's cool. So I do think there's an age element to it, and I, I and I do think that. Um, you know, some of the old, the the old leaders will be. It will be good to say bye bye. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> um, that said, also a lot of the guys I work with who are in positions of of power are very committed to making the workplaces that young people come into genuinely. Mm -hmm. equal in terms of valuing the difference. So I do think there's a really strong argument for partnering with the existing power structures in an intelligent, thoughtful way where that's possible. Obviously, there are some notable examples where that's not the case. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I, I read uh, a Kinsey study that talked about $8 billion US being spent on D&I training every year. That's a lot of money. It is but a lot of the, money. The big question is, does it work? I think what that those efforts have done and they have been worthy efforts. I think they have raised awareness, mm -hmm. but it's, it's been glacially slow. And, uh, you know, my thoughts on that are, are because a lot of the power structures in place don't want to relinquish um, their position. Yeah. So I think there's a real moment in history now to accelerate massively and really, you know, create gender balance across organizational structures, political structures, and just just do it. Just Let's just change the game and let's change it now because future generations will um, depend upon it. So the, the $8 billion to me, and, and tell me what you think, the $8 billion to me seems like charity. They're giving it to charity. There's this great, wonderful inspiration and motivation that happens out of it, but there are no outcomes. Are there little outcomes? Take a look at the number of uh, females that are CEOs in the Fortune 500 today compared to just five years ago, for goodness yeah, sakes. Yeah, exactly. So eight, $8 billion. If we spent that money on actually creating programs to pipeline females or individuals, uh, more diverse individuals into those positions, I would think that that would, would help. But what it sounds like you're saying is the people that are in power now 
like the way it is. So this is really just kind of like throwing money out there saying, look at what we did. We're doing this great training and we're done. Is, is that what, what you're feeling? This isn't something that is really meant to, to drive outcomes? I, I think most of the initiatives that I've seen are genuinely well intended. They're very well intended, but it's like, you know, turning these big, slow battleships around. And so I, I would I would say awareness has been raised. Change is, is happening, but it's just too slow. And of course, there are pockets, and I think they are pockets, where it's a tick box exercise mm-hmm. and, and nothing new has really, really happened. And I think we need to be far more radical. And, we, and you know, if ever there was a moment that's demand, demanding radical change, it's now. Right. We have yet in this country to uh, elect a woman president. Um, There is a consensus that a woman may never be president in a few lifetimes. And this is more of a a general curiosity question for me, so I hope you'll humor me on this. But as someone who lived in a country, and I assume you remember Margaret Thatcher. You bet. (laughs) um, Joe Biden, the Democratic uh, competitor, has already committed to selecting a woman as his vice president. So I want you to put on your political consultant hat for a second. And what would you tell Joe Biden in terms of what to look for in a female vice president in order to win a general election? Yeah, love it. And, you know, good for Joe Biden. And it would have been just criminal not to not to have done that. What should he look for? He should look for somebody who is very much their own person, they 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 know themselves well and they're confident and happy with with who they are somebody who is um has got a a track record in in challenging the status quo and somebody who is not trying to be the best man that they can be but has got demonstrable evidence of being proud and delivering results doing things as 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 she would do it Well, Kate, I would like to say thank you for joining us. I have one last question for a couple of white dudes who want to to help in this in this, you know, this effort. What can what can we do? Thank you. That's a fantastic question. First of all, please do. And I read the book and really understand some of the neurobiological differences because once you know what they are and where they are you you can have conversations and notice things in a really different but subtle way mm-hmm. and then i would really encourage you to partner with the female talent that you see around you and in your lives generally not you know not just the work environment but everywhere and lean in and enable those uh, in partnership those women's brains to thrive um and and you will see results and you will see people flourishing, but they will do it differently from the way you guys would. And it's when the partnership really works. It's fantastic. It's a wonderful thing. And just, just on that note, one of the um, young men I worked with in a financial services company, he, he emailed one of the women and he worked with after one of the sessions we ran. And he just said, you know what? I owe you an apology. I was always kind of slightly discounting the kind of ideas you brought to the conversation because they just didn't jive somehow with me. So now I can see that you, you pay attention differently. You notice different things. And actually I'm the one who was missing a trick. So my apologies, I will reach out and ask you what, what you think. And it's that kind of response and really listening carefully to what that response is and, and partnering to bring 
all the brains in the business to the party and let them dance. Excellent. Kate Lance, everybody. Right. Founder and CEO of MindBridge. Kate, for our listeners who want to know more about you, your books and all that good stuff, where would you send them? Cool. Um, Well, for the book... Please look on Amazon, all the brains in the business, you'll find it and you, you can order it in, in a hard copy or, or soft copy on Amazon. So please read and enjoy. I, I didn't write the book to sell lots of books. I'm certainly not going to be retiring on any proceeds. I wrote it because it, it, this stuff I don't know. Is- you just interviewed with Chad and Cheese, Kate. <laughs> well, good. Ring I'm- the register, baby. <laughs> I wrote it because it just felt really important to share the knowledge and the insights. Awesome. Um, I, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so, Kate Lands, that's L-A-N-Z on LinkedIn. And I'm very happy to connect and answer questions people have. I want to create a big conversation about this stuff. Awesome. And that's also mindbridge.co.uk, correct? Correct. Yes. All right. Chad, I'm going to go listen to some women. We out. We out. <laughs> Thank you for listening to podcasts with Chad and Cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We out. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.